Whether you on the outside of your market trying to tap back in Or just need a little help to find a way to gain some traction again You need some market reconnection We got the answers to your questions No second thoughts or second guessing You need some market reconnection The real question is this How does a seven-figure business regain traction in the market? How do we reconnect with our audience? How do we stop worrying about our competitors? taking over and find the peace of mind and certainty within the marketplace. That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Ivan Temelkov. This is Market Reconnection. Today, I'm very excited to join someone who, to have someone, rather, I should say, join me on the podcast, who I followed for a better part of four years None other than Mr. Tony Watley. Tony, hello. Hi, Ivan, man. It's good to catch up again on this virtual technology that we all get to use today. And I can't wait to uh, maybe ruffle some feathers or like get some information out there. I think that we need to hear some more things from both of us. Absolutely. Let's ruffle some shit. I'm totally down with that. Um, but let's start first for people that don't know who you are. Give us kind of the brief intro of Tony Watley, who you are, what you do, where you come from. I'm going to try to keep this real brief. I think that I maybe give too much detail. So I grew up lower middle class, immigrant, mom, Japanese. My dad was a U.S. Marine, Vietnam vet, two blue collar workers their entire career until they retired. So I got to see the values of hard work. So I also got a double dose of discipline where my mother was very disciplinary when it came to education and school. And my dad was a Marine sergeant. So you can imagine the discipline that I received hearing that too. So I put myself through school in engineering Worked in the oil and gas for 20 years, but it really was never my passion, even though it was highly compensated. And then I liked it, but my passion has always been cars and racing cars and building cars. So I created businesses on the side. It started back in 2001 and built these large automotive communities with hundreds of thousands of members. And eventually that made me millions of dollars and I just enjoyed it. And I never planned to make that kind of money, just something I love doing. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And I, I, I seen some of your recent posts that you had posted about that are automotive related and, mm-hmm. um, you know, former automotive fanatic. I definitely enjoy those because I think you put a very quirky spin on those. Um, they're very polarizing, very controversial. And I think that that's what really gets people buzzed, you know, really gets them reeled in to want to participate and contribute and, uh, you know, share their thoughts and opinions. So, um, question I want to ask you. So you said back in 2001, you know, you were kind of building these side businesses, but they weren't really your businesses. I mean, there were side hustles, right? And I believe that's what you were notoriously known for, for a long time. The side hustle millionaire. I believe that was your first book, correct? Correct. Uh, side hustle millionaire. But then at one point, like at what point did you realize like, Hey, I, this should be really my main hustle. It should no longer be my side hustle. Like, where did you kind of cross over? You know, it wasn't for a financial reason. To me, it was a purpose-driven reason because that was one of the biggest questions people got back when I was running LS1 Tech and PerformanceTrucks.net and all these companies, even my wheel online retail business, Deviate Motoring. These were all seven-figure companies. And I always had a full-time career. I mean, the thing's because I was equally driven in my career as I was in entrepreneurship because you know, I paid for my own college and it took me seven years. And I was working as a welder and a, a waiter and a mechanic. So I really had to grind to get through that seven years of college. And I valued that time and that expense that I invested into that. So I didn't really want to waste it, so to speak. 
And so I knew looking at the CEOs and executive levels, a lot of the companies that I was working for that I could run in the same arena with these people. You know, it's like they're, they're not any more special than I am. They just been doing it a little bit longer. They've got a little bit more education. They pay the inner office politics a little bit better, but I can navigate that very well. So I was equally driven to go become an executive at a fortune 500 as well as being an entrepreneur. So I literally lived two different career lives at the same time. And, you know, people ask me, well, why didn't you leave when you're making a lot of money at these businesses is because I purposely, I really designed these companies to operate without my presence because my career was so demanding. I was offshore oil and gas international projects so at any given time, I had to be able to get on a flight and go across the ocean or go into Africa or work in Europe for a month or be offshore and be gone for 28 days with no internet sometimes. So I had to be able to build these online businesses to operate with people and processes and systems in the background that I didn't have to be there anymore. And so me yeah. quitting a full-time job, Ivan, I would not have added to the bottom line of my companies because one, two of them are already the number one in their niche. They already hit number one in their category. I owned all the market share. I wasn't going to take out any competitors because I was the competitor. And so I wasn't going to add any value to the bottom lines there. Therefore, I didn't need to quit. I could actually make double the income. So it wasn't definitely for monetary reasons. It was more of just a passion. I mean, you were tired of the oil and gas industry. Yes. And let's face it. I mean, at the time that you were in the oil and gas industry, though, there was a lot of money to be made. This was prior mm -hmm. to, I think, what Tesla really popping into the market and really kind of, what was it, 2009, maybe 2005? 2015. 2015 was the latest industry downturn, and it still has never quite recovered since then. And, you know, we had a lot of multi-billion dollar projects that got shelved. And, you know, it's just okay. And then when we get an administration there, like the Biden administration that's anti-oil, they have less incentive to do any projects or developmental work. So they're just going to sit on their oil reserves and wait till a better administration comes back around so they can actually focus on hiring people and scaling and making more profit. So, you know, I decided back then that as I was climbing higher in this corporate ladder, I started to see a lot of unethical things being done at higher levels and things yeah. that I was going to have to put my name on and I was going to have to put my signature on. And I didn't like being involved in those kind of decisions. And, you know, that's the thing that most people probably realize in these larger corporations is that there's a lot of politics going on. There's a lot of things that are really illegal that you're not even supposed to talk about that are not in any writing, but you know, those conversations still go on. So, you know, we could talk about like HR things. Let's, let's talk about ageism or racism or, you know, things like that. Those all conversations do go on. Because yeah. people want to check the boxes to make sure they have certain employees and a certain amount of certain employees have to be here because we have to feel good about ourselves, even if they're not the right candidate for the role. So that's illegal. It's ageism or racism, but it still goes on. It's just unwritten. It's largely unspoken until you get in those decision-making roles. Yeah, now that's a really good point. There's a lot of bullshit in the corporate side of things, you know. I've had my my dip in that, and I disliked every bit of it. In fact, I vowed I would never go back to that level no. again. I mean, it's just torture. I can't even imagine people that have stuck to it, you know, for 20, 30, God, even 40 years. You know, that's that's just terrible. So in a sense, you know, looking back at LS Montag and Deviate also, and here you are making piles of cash, six figures. You're traveling. You have almost self-sustaining companies that you built that were doing seven figures. So in a sense, you were disrupting the traditional business environment. You were doing things that most people wouldn't do. So my question to you is just that at what point you were like, well, fuck it, you know, I'm making money. This isn't for financial gain. 
why did you decide to make the leap to to go into your companies? Like, what was the was there a specific reason? Are you talking about the, the leap into three sixty five driven specifically? Yep. yep. Okay, so I've been mentoring former staff members and employees and friends in their business endeavors for about fifteen years prior to this. And some of them have built seven, eight, and nine. One, one of them built a nine-figure company from me mentoring him up. So $100 million plus company. Yeah. And I was always getting good feedback from these people. Like, hey, you should be teaching this kind of stuff. Like, look at these results we're getting. And I just, dude, I just didn't like being on camera. It was a lot of, it was just a lot of insecurities that kept me from doing things. And you and I have had this conversation before online. Yeah. It's, I didn't like being on camera. I didn't like hearing my recorded voice. I mean, people are probably laughing right now because that's exactly what I do, but I had to get over those fears. I had to become the right person. But prior to that, I had, I had a very comfortable life. I'd made my money. I had a family. I had a very demanding career. I had successful businesses. I have all that stuff. So I was okay being the MVP in the background. And I hope this message really relates to somebody that's listening that likes to hide behind their logo and not show their face and they never go on social media. And you can become financially successful, but you'll never be free. And you'll never be free until you can fear, free yourself from the potential criticism or the naysayers or the haters we say, right? Yeah. And so from that feedback, I just really started to think like, how am I going to best impact this world? Like that's because that's the thing I left in 2015, had a major car accident at the racetrack. And I started thinking about if I would have died in that moment, how would I have been remembered? And, you know, it's pretty quick. You start comparing yourself against the people that are in your peer group, how they passed away before you. How were they remembered? Was it something comparable? Yeah, it would have been nice, rich guy, cool cars gone too soon. And yeah. That's the phrases that we commonly hear in the circles that I tend to run in. And I was like, dude, that sucks. Like nice, rich guy, cool cars gone too soon. Is that really what I aspired to be? Is that like the ultimate, you know, the best version of me? And the answer is no, because what's missing there is the give back and the legacy. And although people who have been around me have benefited greatly from my attention, my love and my knowledge, I realized that I should be teaching this on a much wider scale. And yeah. so the way I determined that I was going to personally impact the world was by teaching people confidence and business principles, things I have a lot of love and experience and passion for. So that's where that occurred. And now it's not for everybody. Everybody has their own right. unique way to impact the world. That's just the best way I've determined today that I can do it. Yeah. You said something. <clears throat> so we're going to ruffle some feathers right now because you said something that uh, referring back to the conversation that me and you had about um, you know, the haters, people laughing mm -hmm. at you and all of that. Let's face it. This is probably one of the biggest problems for a lot of people online, entrepreneurs specifically. Yeah. As you as you were rising up, I mean, you had all the money. I mean, you had three, what, three businesses technically or two businesses. Two. I sold, I sold off two of them. Yeah. You sold off two of them. So, you, you know, you were making money. So that wasn't the question. Mm -hmm. You were looking more for freedom and fulfillment and like, like you said, I mean, you know, rich guy died too soon. Nobody mm -hmm. wants that fucking story because it's lame. There's nothing to it. Right. Yeah. But what I want to know is how did you overcome and even now people laughing and saying, oh, look at that motherfucker. You know, he's making money, but he's talking about bullshit and blah, blah, blah. Because let's face it. There's a bunch of people out there that will never clap for you, even if you win. They never will, no matter what you fucking do. I mean, you could be a nine figure business owner. So what I want to know is how do you overcome that? Because you're not the only one, seven, eight, nine, 10 figure business owners are struggling with this shit. Dude, it's tough. And I will tell you that as someone that is an empath that actually cares about people, it's even harder for people like us. 
I can tell you care about Ivan. You wouldn't you wouldn't be doing what you do if you didn't care about people, right? Right. You wouldn't be trying to help people and encourage people and, and educate people if you didn't care about people. So it's harder for people like us to take that kind of criticism, especially if our intention is pure. Now, if your intention's bad and you're trying to just manipulate people and make as much money as possible and be very transactional in nature, which is a lot of those guru influencers, let's be real, yep. then fuck, fuck those guys. Like they deserve the backlash from their negative intentions. But if you're positive that you're doing things for the right reasons, and you're getting that kind of criticism, you should focus on the intention of, am I doing the right thing? Am I really not trying to be a dirtbag? Am I really trying to help? help? Then fuck those people. Yeah. Fuck those critics. Because there's a lot of times people, just like you said, they like to project their own insecurities, their own fears onto you. And if they see you climbing too high or shining too brightly, they're going to ask you to dim your light instead of putting sunglasses on. Yeah. Right? They don't want you to be brighter than them. They don't want you to climb faster than them. It's, just, it's a discomfort. And I think a lot of times people see the things that I'm doing and they realize that, Hey, I actually could do that, but I'm scared or I don't have the motivation or I'm not willing to invest in myself to become a better communicator. I'm not, you know, they don't want to do the the damn hard work to go do what you're doing. So it's easier to throw rocks at you than it is to join you. And how do you get over that? It just takes time. And you start to realize that, man, the, the, the bigger we climb, the more critics you're going to get. That's just the way it is. Not the percentage doesn't change. I would say, Right. 5%, 5% of that audience, the general audience that you have, regardless of your audience size is going to be the naysayers, the critics, the haters, the doubters, all those people. The problem with all of us is that we focus too much on those people, the 5%. Now I would say 50% of the people are probably the people that tolerate you, accept you and are, are curious about what you do. And they're okay. They're not big cheerleaders, but they're just kind of like, oh, okay, he's all right. You know, I don't know if I like him yet, but cool. Like that, that's fine. Yeah. And then you got the top, you know, the remaining percentage that are people that actually support you, the people that are your customers, the people that share your messages, the people that encourage you, the people that are learning from you. Focus on the top half of that and maybe the people that just kind of accept you. But the 5%, they don't deserve your attention. And some of the people see the content that I create, they're not pointing at the haters. And I'm yeah. I'm doing that for a reason because I'm an educator. I'm trying to educate you guys, the listeners, the viewers on how to deal with those people. So I'm not worrying about them. I'm trying to raise the awareness that you're going to have those. If you start doing things worth noticing, you will have critics and haters. Yeah. That's a really good point. You know, a couple of things I want to touch upon that you mentioned is just that excellent point on the 5%. Um, and actually before I lose my train of thought, you have a t-shirt on the 365 driven uh, store. I think it says, uh, earn you some haters. I think yep. earn, earn yourself one. some haters, earn yourself some haters. It's on my list to get this year. And he got me thinking, actually, in 2022, or maybe it was earlier, whenever he published it, and I saw it on the store, and uh, you're absolutely 100% right. I feel like so many people on social media specifically gravitate towards the materialistic bullshit, stuff that doesn't really even matter. I mean, it's funny, it's controversial, yeah, but does it really have real meaning? And you mentioned intention. I think most people probably have good intention. But they cannot fuck up somewhere along the way with the execution or they get influenced or they'll let fear, like you said, influence them to the point that they lose the trajectory of their path. Mm -hmm. And I think in 2022, something that you mentioned that I experienced personally is that, like you said, the more you focus on doing things worthwhile, because I definitely have good intentions, what I do with my business as a person, as a father, just overall, you know, but it's not always perceived that way from people. Everyone perceived things differently. 
And that's where you start earning some haters and critics. Uh, I mean, I can't even I mean, imagine telling the people I had to block in 2022 alone yeah. because they just disagreed over shit. And it's kind of like, can't we agree to disagree? Isn't that what good, good yeah. humans would do? Right. They're respectful. Respectfully disagree. That's all the way. The world is missing respect. The thing I think about is what empowers most people nowadays is keyboards and steering wheels. People feel <laughs> fucking invincible behind a steering wheel. You can have like a little, little five foot tall grandma and she could be fucking road raging and throwing birds and like trying to run you off the road. But then she gets out of the truck and she's just sweet little grandma. Right. Yeah. You see this kind of shit. So keyboards are the same way people are like really safe and you know i think about this kind of stuff if i wouldn't say that to you, you to your face why would i say that to your keyboard yeah that there's yeah the keyboard warriors right yeah <laughs> definitely a shit ton of those definitely a shit ton of those you know one question that i've been actually begging to ask you you know you've been very successful in business congratulations you know i know that you are 100 where you want to be today with 365 driven coaching and i didn't even know that you had that background of 15 years which is great mm -hmm. i think that really attributed to what you're doing today but if you were to think back you know over the last 20 plus years you've done a lot of different things are there specific things that you think a modern entrepreneur should have in order to be successful in what they're doing I think that nowadays business, the landscape is different from when I got started 20 plus years ago. Back then, it was actually harder to become an entrepreneur because we didn't have all this information readily available. We couldn't just go on Google or YouTube and find things out and have all these how-tos and videos and podcasts and all these books. Like They didn't exist. I mean, and we had to go find very small things and try to learn the best we could and apply it the best we could and make a bunch of mistakes, get punched in the face a lot of times. And then boom, like we start to learn as we go. So we, you know, those of us that started 20 years ago, we we're kind of gritty entrepreneurs. We had to figure things out. Like there was a lot of pioneering going on, especially in the digital space back then. Yeah. And so nowadays the tool set, the skill set that's required to be successful is completely different than 20 years ago. Yeah. You still got to have the knowledge. You still have to have the drive, the determination, the consistency, like all those fundamentals never change, but the skill sets, let's be real specific here. Communication skills, huge, wasn't required back then. I didn't have to have copywriting because there wasn't people sitting on the computer waiting for this brilliant copy to kind of sway them to go onto a landing page to click some, like it didn't exist. Like that whole segment of the consumer base yeah. did not exist. So I didn't need that skill back then. I didn't need copyright. I didn't need public speaking because I wasn't being invited to any stages. And I sure as hell wasn't on TV because there was all the gatekeepers and you had to know somebody you had to be famous or born into that legacy. I didn't have all that kind of stuff. So I didn't need that skill. So today, social media is huge. I mean, it really popped off in 2010. So anything yeah. post 2010, you got to realize that, hey, this is not going to change anytime soon. This is like going from cassette tapes to CDs to MP3s. It's like, that's the next progression. And as much right. as you want to bitch and moan about, oh, I don't want to be on the internet and social media sucks and all this kind of stuff. It's like, dude, if you're in business and you're not taking advantage of these amazing tools to be able to reach millions of people, yeah. like you're just not good at business. You're making some poor decisions right now because some someday, maybe 10 years from now, 20 years from now, you're going to realize like, damn, I... I really need to get on the ball and actually start embracing this technology that we're having because I can reach so many people and my yeah. customer base can be worldwide, not just my zip code. Right. So you have to be really thinking that your skills are different. And the biggest one I would say for most people, and this is something I did in my forties. Okay. I didn't do it early. was go hire a public speaking coach or go join a Toastmasters organization. Yeah. These are leadership and public speaking, you know, training and basically 
And it's really inexpensive, especially Toastmasters. I think it's $90 for a year. It's it's really inexpensive. And if you have stage fright or you don't like being on camera, or you have all these issues or you kind of insecurities around that, that will cure you. That will cure you. It'll make you a better, more effective communicator. So I would highly recommend everybody go become a better communicator, even if it's just for in-person interactions. It's way more skills required than just being able to talk. And the other thing I would say is video content. I don't think this is going to go anywhere else. I think, you know, maybe someday it'll be 3D holograms, but it'll still be the same skill set. So go learn how to create video content. Go learn how to make videos that actually grab attention and learn copywriting skills because these are the things that grab attention because now the world is so noisy. We have to be able to find ways to grab people's attention in a few seconds, really three to five seconds. We have to be able to grab people's attention and that's a skill set. Yeah. I, that was perfect, actually. Two things that I want to make sure the listeners and viewers actually take away from what you just said is one, communication, and two, video content. 100% agree with that. And, Tony, you know what's really cliche, man? There's literally eight and nine-figure companies in certain very niche industrial types of industries who still do not see value in communication and video content. And, honestly, this was something that in 2022 I specifically saw so it kind of shifted towards working with more, you know, industrial type of companies specifically that they haven't even been doing this. And once they got a glimpse of it, they were like, holy shit, we can reach more people. We can really present ourselves better. Uh, we can we can generate more revenue. So you're absolutely right. Communication and video content, which actually leads me up to my next question. I've been begging to ask you because this is totally 100 percent you. So. How do you differentiate yourself in this modern world? You said, you know, we didn't have communication. We didn't have video. Social media really wasn't popular 20 years ago. So nowadays in this noisy social media world, how do you differentiate yourself? I think you just got to be yourself. And if yourself isn't interesting enough, go amplify yourself, go invest in some skills, make a more interesting life. I think a lot of times people think that they got to have a boring life. But that's by choice. I mean, if you're just sitting on the couch at five o'clock every night and flipping channels and binging Netflix, that's your choice. That's not a very interesting life. And you're going to find that with social media, it doesn't take a lot of money to become interesting. Becoming interesting is really just feeding your brain with new information on a daily basis, whether that's reading or listening to podcasts or having interesting conversations with people like you and I do with these podcasts. Like, in, If you're not having new thoughts, it's because you're not learning new things. You're always going to have new thoughts, new awareness, new discoveries. If you just focus on learning new things, read a book. I mean, you talk to most adults, especially United States. When was the last time you read a book? They're going to tell you school, like high school or college. Like that's pathetic, guys. And you go, oh, I don't, I don't listen to podcasts. I don't have time to. It's like, oh, so you don't, you don't do anything that you can actually just put earbuds in. Like, oh, you know. Well, Poor you, because there's multi-billionaires out there that still do the things we do, and you don't have time for it. Well, maybe that's the reason that you're where you're at, right? You're not making time for things. I listen to podcasts to replace music. I love music, but I don't listen to music anymore. When I'm driving in my car, there's podcasts or audiobooks playing. When I'm at the gym, I can hear music in the background, but I'm listening to podcasts or audiobooks when I'm at the gym. So I find times to consume information and read books and you know, that's, I think that's what most people is. They just need to go do that kind of stuff. And you become the right person. You invest in yourself. And that's really hard to do, but it's something that's really important. Um, you said something that I've personally <clears throat> struggled with probably for the last at least five years. You said be yourself, which actually yeah. is a core value of my business is be yourself. 
Um, so being yourself can be perceived in a lot of different ways by different people, right? Because we all interpret things differently, right? Mm-hmm. The way you interpret things, the way I interpret things, the way we view the world, right? And perception is our reality. The way we perceive things is the way we see the world. You know, the sky is blue, but if you think the sky is green, you're going to think the sky is green. No matter what people tell you, you're going to think it's green, right? Being yourself on social media, though, let's talk about that. Tony being himself on social media, (laughs) let's face it, controversial, very direct, right? So what, what things have you learned about being yourself on social media and how does how has that worked into your business in your life I, i'm curious to hear your thoughts on that yeah i, li- I like this question I- i'm going to put it in the context of people that are just getting started okay because if people were to observe me today i'm seven years into this i've learned a lot of things that who i am and what works for me and my message and my branding i, I learned all these things but it didn't start that way i didn't just hit the ground and with a grand slam and then all the stuff started working for me so if you feel like you're imperfect, if you feel like you have flaws, that's amazing. Share that. Yeah. Because if you want to gain momentum and inspire an audience, which is what I did with the public speaking and all that and writing the book, I I kept people informed on what I was working with. And here's the thing that I think most people fail at. I was, I was really good at calling my shots. I said, hey, guys, if if I were to write a book, what would you like to learn from me? And a lot of people like business, things like that. So you started to see like, okay, they started to see me perceived as somewhat of an authority in business. And I get that. I've very been very successful. So I was on the right path right there. And as I would complete one chapter, I say, hey, here's an excerpt from the book. What do you guys think? So I was always soliciting feedback, showing them that I was making progress. Okay. So I took people on that journey and I think that I started the 365 Driven Group on my Facebook, which is something like 4,500 people now, I think. It was started out with 30 people because I just put out a Facebook post to say, hey, guys, I need some entrepreneurs or people that are interested in entrepreneurship to bounce questions off of while I'm writing this book. If you'd like to be interested, here's a link to the group. Just join it. I'd be happy if you participated. I thought there would be like three or four people. Then I think you know, 20, 30 people joined. So that's cool. Like People are actually interested in this. And so I kept them abreast of part of that project. I got them involved. And you can see how this is going. Like I'm building momentum with a group of supporting people already. They've been part of this project. And so when it launched, I already had like a support group. I had people that are like, hey, this thing's amazing. Like you guys go check this thing out. And they took photos with it and things like that. So the same thing with the public speaking. Dude, I knew I sucked at it. And that's yeah. one of the things I think most people are afraid of showing in their life is that they suck at something, that they're a beginner, they're a noob, like they hate showing vulnerability. And it's just ridiculous because we all suck at everything until we start something and we get better at it. So I said, hey, guys, I know that I I need to get better at public speaking. So I'm going to join this Toastmasters. I even made a video walking in the very first meeting. I was like, I don't know what to expect. I'm kind of, I'm feeling kind of nervous right now, but here goes. And I'll I'll let you guys know how it goes after the first meeting. And so I made another video in my car afterwards, which was like nighttime, bad lighting. I still remember that video, but I wasn't really good at speaking to the camera, but I said, Hey, this is what I learned. It's kind of interesting. There's some cool people there. And, and so take people on your improvement journey, apply this to anything. If you're, let's say like we're in the new year, a lot of people are focused on fitness. For example, if you're overweight, or severely overweight, good, because that's the baseline that you get to start from. And you know what? There's a whole lot more people out there that are overweight than there are people who are fit. And so if you want the opportunity to inspire people and take people on your journey and call your shots and actually show up and gain consistency and external accountability, 
take people on that journey, show them how hard it is. And then what's going to happen is that's going to start to steamroll and build that snowball effect. And then these people are going to be cheering you on and you're going to inspire them to get off the couch and start doing it with you. And you don't think that by the time you do have that fitness, that body that you want a year, two years, three years down the road, that you're not going to have a giant community of people that have watched you go from start to finish, that you haven't inspired, that you haven't changed their lives along with yours. Like you're kidding yourself. But if you're imperfect, if you have flaws, beautiful, whatever that is, if you're learning something new, share that shit, get people engaged, get them going, show them the results, show them the struggle, because that makes other people believe that if he can do it, I can do it. So powerful. And actually, uh, I can relate to that because you said the word vulnerability. And I want to talk about this because we t- we ju- you just talked about being yourself, the importance of that in, in business, because after all, we do business with people we like and trust. Right. So what better way than exposing who you are, what you like, what your life is about, what you bring to the table. But you said vulnerability. Here's something that I found out in 2022, Tony, and I'm still kind of trying to wrap my head around it. So let's face it. We all fail at shit every single fucking day to sit here. and, And I know you're in different masterminds. I've been in different masterminds and we hear all these eight and nine figure business owners talk about fucking win today and blah 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 and all this it's like wait i of all people probably fail at least 10 times every day and what i found is i started sharing that vulnerability because i've always been vulnerable what was interesting about that is suddenly everybody flocked away people are like no i ivan's not the best at this at that what was what was really interesting about that tony i'd get one person message me and say yeah, man, I've been struggling with this too, you know, but I just didn't want to be vocal. And I didn't want to comment or I didn't want to like your post because people would judge me on it. So the learning lesson behind that was just that I don't want to be for all the pigeons. <laughs> That's not my goal. No, I want to be for that one person. I've had literally less than a handful of people who like truly resonate with like the vulnerability and being yourself. So to your point is this that being yourself from what I'm understanding for listeners and viewers is that being yourself is really important because that it shapes is. into your business. It shapes into your individuality, your character, your personality, the perception, the influence you create in the world. And I think a lot of people are so immersed in the bullshit of social media now more than ever politics and news and blah, 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 and all the shit that they forget to pay attention to what actually matters. Yeah. Right. You know, it's a whole lot easier to be the best you than the, the diluted clone of somebody else. I think a lot of copying goes on, a lot of bullshit goes on. You know, even like for a personal level, if I was taking that question personal, like how do I differentiate myself? Yeah. Okay, I'm a car guy, for for example. Like, what is my logo? It's a gear. Like, there's a reason there's a gear there. Right. I speak, I speak also, and you know, a lot of people use football analogies in their stories and baseball and sports. Like I can use racing cars and doing laps and and high performance. Like I can use those same analogies that I resonate with that my audience would like to hear it from. Right. And so figure out what makes you different and just amplify that because I think too many people are trying to just copy paste what everybody else is doing. So, you know, if you like hunting, like maybe speak to stories around that and attract that audience. Because I think about who do I want my audience? I want people that they don't have to be car people, but they understand the the topics that I'm bringing up, even if I speak in different analogies than everybody else. Yeah. 
relatability, right? And yeah. You have to be relatable somehow. And I, I don't think, well, the question actually, uh, something you brought up that's really interesting. Were you intentional about attracting the automotive community with 365 driven? I was not initially because I was also misguided a little bit because you think about, hey, if we throw out a bigger net, we'll get more fish. That's not true. You know, along the way, I realized that, hey, I had to niche down the, the the messaging a little bit more, be a little bit more refined to get traction, right? And so there was purposeful reasons for the logo and the branding that had like the innuendo of, of driving, like 365 driven. It's it's kind of a pun. It's daily driven. It's it's also something right. that a lot of car guys with these high horsepower car guys will kind of make jokes. They'll literally drive their dragster to the grocery store and be like, daily driver. See, so it's kind of funny for car guys. And so I said, hey, that's actually a pretty good motivational type personal development phrase, like daily driven. Why why not use that, right? So we think about those kind of things. It's in our DNA. We, we, we show evidence of who we are all the time, but turn that up, man. Like whoever that is to you, if you're a fighter, if you're an athlete or whatever, like that's how you speak. When you speak to these people that you're like your close friends or people that share that interest with you, how do you speak with them? Like, why don't you use that and amplify that? Throw out the, the Batman light, so to speak, you know, to attract those kind of people that resonate with the way you communicate. And there's nothing worse than when you meet people that you see online and they're not the same person in, in person, you know, they, they're, they're fake because they put this facade up and, you know, they're, they're way more animated or they're just not the same person. We've seen this, right? Dude, imagine how hard that would be to live that way where you're always having to keep notes of the bullshit that you told and the lies that you told and the fake character that you put out there. That'd be a really a stressful life. I, one of the biggest compliments I ever have is when people meet me in person and you and I have met in person is they yep. say, hey, you're, you're exactly the same in person. It's like, well, that's the way we should be. <laughs> Two-faced people, right? Yeah. That's just it. And there's a lot of them on mm -hmm. social media. In fact, um, I don't want to shift the conversation to something a little bit more humorous in a second, but you brought up a really good point because since some people get verified on social media recently, I'm like, you're yeah. just the same fucking asshole that you were before and you just got a blue check mark next to your name. That's pretty yeah. much it. And I think there's too many people out there that see gratification in that. It gives them some kind of fulfillment because they it's almost like a validation for them, a stamp of approval yeah. to say, I got a blue check mark, so I'm better than you. Fuck you. No, you're not. Dude, you know, you might preach you bluffing. I'm right. I'm going to get I'm going to get the verifications, <laughs> mm -hmm. but I'm going to get them because I earned them because the industry finally recognized me because I actually yeah. did the work to get the results. See, a lot of these guys, let's let's share the tactic here of how to get the fake. It's not fake, but we'll we'll say the fake until you make it right. So these people will go hire a virtual PR agency and they'll pay anywhere between fifteen to twenty thousand dollars to these editors that are in these bullshit magazine columns and they will publish an article about them because they're getting paid they're getting paid thousands of dollars I mean when you go pay some low-level editor like that's at the very bottom of the total pole in some kind of online digital space you give them five thousand dollars to crank out an article for you with you know three paragraphs and put your photo there like he's gonna take that money I don't blame the guy it's 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 how that person operates. But then these same people will take that article and they'll bring it back to their Facebook or Instagram. And be like, I got published in Forbes Business Council. I got Forbes. I got some low-level entrepreneurship thing based in Zimbabwe. Like, and 
you know, the social media platforms don't really have time to differentiate good and bad articles. So they, you know, when you submit your verification, they ask you to provide media links and they just click on them. They go, yep, yep, yep. Okay, cool. And they push it through. But all this bullshit, like those people haven't earned anything. And and if you need to test this theory, if somebody's truly earned, truly earned the verification, you should be able to go to Google and Google their name and actually see like, pages and pages of things that they've actually accomplished and the things that they've done. And if they don't have that, they fucking fake their way up to there. You earned that's it. it. And that's what I love. What you said is this that earn. If you feel like you you've done the work and I know you have, you know, mm-hmm. I feel the same way. You know, it's like, if you've earned it, if you've put in the work, you've got the accolades to attest to that. I mean, they don't even have to be extremely prominent. I mean, I know you've talked about like, fake Forbes bullshit and all this other stuff. And, and there's a lot of it out there. A, a lot. lot of it. There's and, entire groups teaching this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I want to shift the convo to, so you took up comedy mm-hmm. uh, not too long ago. I think it was last year, right? Let's talk about how comedy plays into 365 driven Tony Watley. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, if you would ask my older sister, she would say that I've always been a comedian because <laughs> I've always been, <laughs> cracking jokes. I was always the one making people laugh, even in school, yeah. and whether that was drawing cartoons or just telling jokes. I've always been pretty witty, pretty quick at the retorts and just thinking of humor. When I see a funny photo, immediately I think in captions. I, I don't know if that's just an odd thing, but I just immediately think in captions when I see something yeah. funny. And so I started thinking, well, I need to cultivate this a little bit more. I need to invest in that skill. I kind of scratched that itch. And, you know, Toastmasters, after a few years and being a president of a large club here in Houston, and I was really going back just to doing the give back. I was in that kind of give back phase because I'd learned and valued so much things I took from them. But I was like, man, I need to go do better with my time. So what other skill can I enhance my communication or my entertainment skills with? And that was improv, you know? So I looked it up. Unfortunately, during COVID, a lot of these places were closed, you know, so for 2020 yeah. was the original plan and these schools kind of shut down. Unfortunately, it went out of business sometimes and, you know, 21, they started kind of coming back a little bit and then it's okay, cool. It's starting to look that, like there's a few open. So I just joined one and, you know, it's a, it's a year long. It's, it was like five different levels and, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. And I'll tell you the difference between improv, which is improvisational comedy for those who don't know, it's unscripted. It's just kind of off the cuff. Where it differentiates that from public speaking is a lot of times people think like, well, if I've done public speaking, I can do comedy and you you might, it's easier. I would say it was easier for me to do that because I did public speaking first, Yeah. but here's the difference. Okay. In public speaking training or Toastmasters, we're constantly refining the way we speak, our, our message, my brand, the way I, you know, we're, we're always focusing on enhancing our style improv you're handed a style as soon as you walk on the stage. If Ivan, if you and I took the stage and and I said, hey, Ivan, or I'll call you whatever name. Hey, 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 Susan, like you're a pretty hot looking 85-year-old grandma. Like you would actually have to act that character. You had to accept that and be like, yeah. hey, what's up, Sonny? Like I ain't you know, you'd have to go into character and do that. So you're no longer practicing your yeah. communication skill. You're having to take on whatever characters assigned to you. And so that's the biggest challenge is like, you never know what you're going to be when you go on that stage and you never know where the story's going to go. And you're building like brick by brick, the story with your partners on the stage to kind of get to like a heighted elevated kind of punchline. And so it's been really a fascinating thing. So to me, it's just forms of entertainment. It makes me a better host, a little bit yeah. more witty. I'm also, when I'm on the stage, I'm able to interact with the crowd a lot easier and like kind of 
work with them as well. Yeah. Well, one, one reason I'm glad that you did that actually, because I think it amplifies your character and personality, which I think has always been there. Like you said, like thinking captions, your, your sister, I believe you said that Mm -hmm. always had seen you as a comedian. So I think that this was just a way to kind of enhance your character and personality. And I kind of just played very, very well, you know, into 365 driven and everything you do with coaching and all of that. Um, one other reason I actually asked that is because I actually have very dry, dry humor and sarcasm. And sometimes I'll put it out there and most people are like, well, fuck you, man. You were just a total ass. I'm like, man, I'm just being sarcastic, bro. Like it's hard to see that between the lines, I think on social media, because I feel like there's, there's only two different types of people sometimes on social media, the very serious or those are like, oh, that guy is hilarious. You know, there's like no in between. Like people, people have. It, it goes back to what we talked about earlier, man. Yeah. It goes back to what the, people are so afraid of perception. They're so afraid of, you know, looking like a beginner or people laughing at them. It could, like anyone laughing at you is kind of like yeah. a sign of like the judgment thing. It's like the fear of critics, right? So if you want to get into a situation in life where nobody can bully you, nobody can get into your head, nobody can rattle your cage, you better learn how to laugh at yourself. You better learn to not take yourself so serious. And then that becomes the great disarming tactic that when someone tries to come at you and you're like, yeah, I agree. Like I am that dumb. Ha ha. And now you just basically took the weapon away from them. So they go look for somebody else that they can kind of rile up or get flustered with. So you know, just learn to laugh at yourself, especially you entrepreneur guru types, man. Too many of you guys are out there just take yourself way too seriously and you just want to be scary and intimidating and, you know, all this bullshit. It's like, dude, like we can all see the the blinking light of insecurity about you because you're so yeah. focused on your persona. Like the most successful people in this world have self-deprecating humor and can laugh at themselves and not take themselves so seriously because they're willing to look like an amateur in some regards and a professional in others. Yeah. One other question I want to ask you, and that's an excellent point. You're absolutely right. Don't take yourself too seriously. I, I know I've done that in the past, too. And it's like, I haven't lightened up, man. It ain't the, the end of the fucking world. You woke up today. That's yeah. a major win. That go out there and live your life the way you choose. One burning question that I think a lot of viewers and listeners are, are going to wonder about is the marketing piece. Uh, you're a phenomenal marketer, and I think it's sort of a DNA thing for you. But I want to know your take, just some insight on modern marketing for anyone whether you're starting out or you're a seven eight nine figure business like let's talk about what advice tony watley and 365 driven will give to those people man they're they're not gonna like to hear the answer a lot of times <laughs> they're, they're really not i mean yeah. marketing is tough it really is and i mean if you can afford it and you got the budget yeah go run paid ads go hire a digital marketing agency that yeah. specializes in the niche or the category that you are because some of them are very general they're not really good they're generally not good yeah. so go hire a company that specializes in the industry or that has the client base that you already need for your clients right so go run the money that's that's probably the shortcut it costs money the other way that I like to focus on is attraction marketing. And the the bad news for you guys that like attraction marketing, which literally means attracting customers over time instead of having to go DM them all the time and you know hit them up all the time and always have a call to action or buy my shit, right? You, like those yeah. people, that's kind of the in-between phase. If you get into the right way of doing things, it's attraction marketing. But the thing is, is it takes time. It takes years. It's yeah. not months. It takes yeah. years. So you better have a business, like you mentioned earlier, you better have businesses like mine that can fund that kind of you know, lifestyle. 
And then you can focus on just doing things for the right reason and stop looking for transactional relationships and these short-term type gain type things. Cause I'm okay with long-term gains. I like that kind of better. You know, when you build brands that last 20 years, like that's pretty awesome. Like it's very unusual. So I'm very aggressive with the actions I take, but I'm very patient for the results. Most people are very impatient for both of those. And so if you want to become an attraction marketer, put that message out there, encourage people, be social on social media. I think that's one of the biggest mistakes. That's a real simple tactic there. If you're creating content intentionally and you're helping people on social media, spend the time to actually interact and acknowledge the people that interact with you. Live, and I see you interact on my stuff all the time. Has yeah. there ever been a chance that I just ignored you? It's just, it doesn't happen. I don't do that. Yeah, I'm very intentional. Like, hey, if you're going to respond to my post, I'm at least going to throw you a like to acknowledge that I read it, or I'm going to respond if you give me some kind of a question. So I think a lot of times people fail because they're not really heart-centered. They're really thinking about themselves. You know, They're always thinking about themselves instead of how do I serve? How do I acknowledge? How to make people keep coming back? And so you think about this, like one of the best ways for me, when I look at like podcast guests or potential guests or people that I want to bring on my stage, I go look at their social medias where they're active, where they're most active, right? And mostly yeah. if it's Instagram or things like that, I can tell you that if I'm scrolling through your Instagram feed and all I see is your face like over and over and over, and you're not externally sharing or promoting anything but yourself, that just tells me you just think about yourself all the time. Now, I would challenge anybody listening to this, go look at my Instagram feed and you can go back years and you'll see people I collaborate with, guests of my show, other people's faces displayed prominently on my page because I care about other people. And if I can help them, I'm going to do that. So there's a shift. And if you're looking at coaches or anything like that, look at that kind of stuff. Are they really self-centered or are they actually engaging and talking to people before they become customers? And I think that's the difference there, man. So just be really focused on helping other people, serving other people and be present and it takes time, man. Yeah. You know, there's two things that you mentioned <clears throat> that are so key. And I, I asked the question behind marketing <clears throat> because there's seven, eight, nine figure and even 10 figure companies who don't understand how attraction marketing and also paid media in an ideal world, like you said, hire a digital marketing agency that's really good at this. You know, if you have the budget, because let's face it, yeah. it's expensive to do it right. It really is. Yeah. And that's actually something that I personally, you know, with my company pivoted in 2022 because we started going after, <clears throat> you know, com uh, industries like trucking and mining and roofing. Let me tell you. These a lot of these industries are still doing shit the old school way. Yeah. And they think that, oh, 1500 bucks is too much. And it's like, no, it's not. <laughs> if yeah. you want something done right. And so I'm glad you said that because it's really important because, you know, you're someone who has built seven and even eight to eight figure businesses, you know, that like understand the importance of that. And there's a lot of companies that don't even going into 2023. But if you want to be successful, right, you you have the ideal approach or do the attraction marketing that you mentioned, which is a really great point that it takes years to build. Takes years. years. Um, yeah. I think that's probably one of the biggest uh, misconceptions. Um, Tony, I want to ask something to, to round things out. I know this conversation can go endlessly. I appreciate your time and all the knowledge you shared, but What's one thing or something that people don't know about Tony that you can share? What's something that people don't know about me? Oh, 
I think one of the most interesting conversations people ask is how I met my wife. We've been together 21 years Mm -hmm. and I actually met her at a Western ballroom dance class. And so (laughs) actually when I met my wife, I had my cowboy hat and cowboy boots on because I wanted to learn how to country dance with both on because it's a lot different to dance with a hat on versus without a hat. And you know, I actually took that class with my best friend at the time because we we don't we're we're, just, we're smart guys. We're single. We're here in Houston. We saw that the dudes that knew how to dance had women lined up to to dance with them. I mean, if you go to a country yeah. bar, this is a hack for you guys. Even if you don't like country, if you go find a country bar and you learn how to dance, you will have a literal a line of women. As soon as you come off of it from a song, like the next one's like, "Hey, can you take me out there?" Then you got yeah. the other schmoes that are like just the dudes like hanging out at the bar, sipping on their beer, lonely as fuck trying to wonder why nobody talks to them because they don't invest in the skills, right? It kind of goes back to investing in skills. It's like, well, shit, we could learn this. It's like spin people around, make the woman look good, like learn how to lead. Like, cool, let's go do that. So I met my wife there and yeah, we still love dancing. I can dance very well. And that's part of the thing for her is if she didn't, if she, she'll tell you, she'll tell your friends, like if he couldn't dance, I wouldn't have dated him. Wow. So, all right, I gotta see a cowboy hat picture of Tony Watley and some cowboy boots. All see right, I still wear them once in a while. When we just had that Nashville, I had the yep. boots on and the, and the jeans on, and you know, so I don't wear the hat as often unless we go to the rodeo. Okay, okay, very cool. I appreciate you. I appreciate you sharing that. And uh, before we wrap things up, Tony, what's the best way to connect with you out there? Best way is go to my website, 365driven.com. And that's the name of my podcast, 365driven. And everything there is the books, the the courses, the groups, everything's in one place. Awesome. Tony, thank you so much for your time. Greatly appreciate it. Hey, Ivan, thank you for the opportunity. Good to catch up again. And yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun, man. Whether you on the outside of your market trying to tap back in Or just need a little help to find a way to gain some traction again You need some market reconnection We got the answers to your questions No second thoughts or second guessing You need some market reconnection Market reconnection Market reconnection